0: If you would turn to revelation chapter 12 also to give you a heads up we're going to be spending a lot of time back in daniel so if you want if you have like an extra ribbon or something in your bible you may want to mark daniel somewhere in daniel around seven ish for easy easy flipping back because we're going to be a lot of back and forth um, into the book of daniel so by way of introduction <clears throat> on your study sheet. Last week, or not last week, last time that we we did a study, uh, we were in Revelation chapter 6. And Revelation 6 revealed the coming Antichrist on a white horse as he brings false peace to the world. Tonight, we'll jump to Revelation 12 and 13 where we'll see a glimpse into the past of Satan's work during the birth of Christ and see how he's been attempting to thwart the promised seed of God from the beginning. In his final, final is your blank, In his final attempt before the millennial reign of Christ, he will bring his seed forth. He will bring his seed forth as we see the Antichrist revealed for who he truly is. He's that wicked, that man of sin, the son of perdition. So tonight, we're going to see the great red dragon and the beast. The great red dragon is Satan himself, and the beast is who? the antichrist yes well you guys get really bashful when i ask you for like to chime in that's okay so tonight the great red dragon and the beast so first we're going to see the great red dragon in revelation 12 what we see is this is uh man this is like a huge rewind goes way back earlier into time then we see the workings of the devil and then chapter 13 we see the workings of the antichrist and that's what we're going to look at so first The great red dragon in Revelation chapter 12. Read with me verses 1 and 2. It says, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven. There was a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. So what we're seeing here in these first two verses this woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and a a crown of 12 stars on her head this is do you guys know who this is this is Israel this is the nation of Israel and she's with child so what we see here Christ is brought forth by Israel and don't you don't need to turn there but Genesis 37 verse 9 it says and he dreamed speaking of Joseph Uh, when he was a child. And he dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon, and if you look there, this woman was clothed clothed with the sun and the moon was under her feet. He says, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. So the 11 stars were his 11 brothers, he himself being the 12th star. So what we have here is this nation of Israel that we see, uh, the, same, the same type of wording used back in the book of Genesis speaking of that entire nation of all those tribes that were the sons of Jacob. So this woman is the nation of Israel and she is going to bring forth Christ. She being with child, she cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. That's how far back Revelation 12 is going. So when we jump in here, it's rewinding all the way back to the birth of Christ. Next, verses 3 and 4. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head, his heads. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So what we have here is, you know, this is where we get that Satan took one third of the angels with him is because it says that his tail drew one third, uh, a third part of the stars of heaven. And stars throughout Scripture frequently refer to the angels. So this is where we would get this, that Satan took a third of the angels with him. So right here, Satan has one third of the angels on earth with him, and that's exactly what it says. They drew a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. So they're here on earth and wanted to devour Jesus at his birth. He wanted to devour Jesus at his birth. Um, You know, the other reference there, 1 Peter 5 8, we know that. You know, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, seeketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may do what to? Devour. Devour. It's what he wanted to do to Christ. It's what he wants to do to every believer on planet Earth today. Not only that, I mean, he wants to devour the whole world. Because if he devours them, then they can't come to Christ. They can't come to that knowledge of him. And then they. Spend eternity in the lake of fire. And then what we see here also, don't turn there, but Matthew chapter 2, verses 3 through 16, we get this glimpse of what was actually going on, right? Because a lot of you are going to be familiar with the story out of Matthew 2, but we see here who was behind it was the great red dragon. It was the devil himself. And Matthew chapter 2 is when the wise men come, right, to Herod, and they talk about how they saw this star and the Messiah, the Savior, The king of Israel had been born, and they knew it, and they wanted to go. So he said, yeah, you go, and you tell me where he is. Come back and tell me where he is, so I also can go and worship him. But we know what was in his heart, right? Because after two years pass, what does Herod do? He kills all the babies in Bethlehem. All the babies in Bethlehem that are two years old and younger, because that's what he actually wanted. He heard that there was this other king that was coming to usurp his authority. What we really have is the great red dragon behind this. This was the devil's plan. Herod had all the babies in Bethlehem killed. They were two years and younger at that time. This is the devil's plan to devour the promised seed of God that we find back in Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. That was his plan. He wanted to devour the child before he could get to the cross. I mean, even just think about all the things, did I write it in there? Nope. All the things, all the times that they tried to kill Jesus before it was time, right? They took up stones to stone him and he would just walk right through the midst of people and they couldn't touch him. All the things that were done. This here, where that his family ended up fleeing to Egypt because Herod tried to have all the babies killed. Time and time again throughout the life of Jesus, they were trying to kill him. They were trying to set him up. They were trying to kill him because this was the devil's plan. If Jesus can't get to the cross, if Jesus can't pay for the sins of mankind, the devil wins. And we see here it was the devil that was at work. The devil was behind what Herod was doing there. And just to look back here, I just kind of put this list of stuff here together because what we have here is for sure Jesus. He's trying to kill Jesus. But the devil's been playing this same game, trying to kill the promised seed of God throughout all the history of mankind. So on your paper, it starts, Cain kills Abel, right? That first child. So he kills Abel. He thinks, okay, good, I'm going to wipe the seed out right here, right now. Well, lo and behold, he brings it through another line. But Cain kills Abel. That's the work of the devil trying to stop the seed of God. You have the sons of God. In Genesis chapter 6, that marry the daughters of men to corrupt the human race and to cause God to wipe them out. The devil wanted this. If I can wipe out the seed that he promised, then I win. You have Canaan that is cursed due to Ham's satanic activity with Noah. You have the Tower of Babel and the confusion of tongues. Again, Satan's plan. Let's get God to do something to separate these people so that they can't now communicate with each other, it'll make this promised seed much harder to come forth. You have Abraham's trial of sacrificing Isaac. You have Rebecca's barrenness, where she couldn't, uh, she couldn't bear a child to bring forth her kids. Then when she does, you have the enmity between Esau and Jacob, these brothers fighting, trying to get that promised seed out of the way. You have Joseph, who's then taken into prison. Satan thinks he's won there. All right, let's get that seed out of here. You have all the Jewish babies murdered at the time Moses was born. Again, trying to take out all the babies. Trying to take out the promised seed. You have Saul's attempts, countless attempts, to kill David. Because he's worried about David coming to take the throne away from him. And now, here's where it also gets interesting. As you get further into uh, 2 Kings and into 2 Chronicles, you have a young man um, named uh, Jehoram who slays all of his brethren. He kills all of his brethren, and he's of the royal seed. But he himself lives, and he has children, which keeps that promised seed going. But who do you think put it in the heart of Jehoram to kill all of his brothers? Satan himself. Let's kill that promised seed. But Jehoram has kids. So then, some Arabians come, and they slay all of Jehoram's children, except Ahaziah. Ahaziah lives on. That royal seed, that promised seed, continues to live on, even though the devil's trying to wipe it out. Then you have all Ahaziah's children that are slain by Athaliah, which is Ahaziah's mom. her as a um lost it, Ahaziah, he gets killed. When she sees that he's dead, she loses her mind and kills all of his kids except one that was taken and protected by his aunt and hidden in the temple, so that, that the seed could live on. Again, the devil at work. So everyone except Joash, that baby, is killed. And so on it goes. Haman attempts to destroy all the Jews in the book of Esther during the captivity. And so on, and so on, and so on. Satan has been trying to stop this promised seed since the beginning of mankind. Since the day God made that promise, Satan's been doing everything he can to try and stop that seed. And here what we have in Revelation chapter 12 is the account of him trying to stop Jesus himself from being born when he puts it in the heart of Herod to kill all the babies so next I want you to note this we're going to touch more on it later that here in verse 3 that there are 7 heads and 10 horns and how many crowns? 7 crowns 7 crowns make note of this because as we move forward into chapter 13 we see the same amount of heads we see the same amount of horns but a different number of crowns And this is one of those things that as I was studying, I love it that that God finally, after all this time of me just going, why? What is the difference? Why is it 7 here? Why is it 10 here? Finally, finally, I understand it. I feel like it's going to be one of those moments like Pastor Tom was talking about where I'm like super excited about this and you guys are going to be like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) But that's okay because I'm expecting you to be that way. So I won't take it as hard. So Seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns. This will be continued with the beast when we get there. So, next, Christ is born and then he ascends to the Father. Uh, Verse five it says, And she brought forth a man child, excuse me, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. So, right here is this gap. This is where it begins. This is the end of Daniel's 69th week in the prophecy. If you guys are familiar with Daniel's 70 weeks prophecy, this is the end of week 69. There is now a gap in Daniel's prophecy because Daniel was not shown the church period. He was not shown that. He was shown the 70 weeks of prophecy and that was it. He didn't see this parenthesis that we live in, which is why I put it in a parenthesis on your paper, Christ is born in the sense of the Father, Revelation 12, 5. This is Daniel's 69th week. That's the end of it. Then we have the church age. And then what we see next when we get into verse 6, this is Daniel's 70th week. This is Daniel's 70th week. And, and we're going to see that this is when, when the gloves come off and the devil says, I've had enough, and he's going after the nation of Israel again. So, verse 6. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place. Prepared of God that they should feed there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. You guys know how many, how long that works out to in years? Three and a half years. That's three and a half years. We're going to see this throughout this passage. When we look back into Daniel, we're going to see it's very clear that this great tribulation, not the tribulation period itself. That period itself is seven years long, but the great tribulation, where it really starts getting bad, is three and a half years long, and we see it here. 1,203 score days. That is three and a half years. Um, So Israel, where do we go? Israel flees to Petra for three and a half years after the abomination of desolation. Go ahead and turn back to Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11. Beginning in verse 40. Daniel 11 verse 40. Israel flees to Petra for three and a half years after the abomination of desolation. Revelation, I'm sorry, not 12. Where did it go? Should we be in 12? Okay, Daniel, you're there. You're there. Sorry, I got too many bolded things on my paper. 11.40 through 12.1. Notice it says, And at the time of the end, shall the king of the south push at him, And the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. And he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. He shall enter also into the glorious land. That's God's land. That's Palestine. And many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand. Even, what's the next one? Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. Edom is where you find the city of Petra. There we go, Petra, thank you. That's where the city of Petra lies. It says at the time of the end, it's going to be one of, the, uh, one of the countries that's going to escape, that's going to be unscathed, because that is where Israel is going to flee. Because it's like a fortress, man. Carved out of the sandstone, it's a city, carved into a mountain in the face of the sandstone. Have you guys ever seen pictures of Petra? It, if you haven't, do a Google image search of Petra. It will blow your mind. These things that look like castles carved into the face of a mountain done thousands of years ago. And it's a city in there. And that's where they're going to flee. That's where they're going to go. Verse 42, And he shall stretch forth his hand also upon the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. But he shall have power over the treasures of gold and of silver and over the precious things of Egypt and the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. But tidings, uh, but tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and, and utterly to make away many. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain and, and he shall come to his end and none shall help him. Again, uh, his uh, between the seas and the glorious holy mountain, when he does that, when he plants that, that is the abomination of desolation. Then chapter 12, verse 1, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time, And at that time, thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Again, that's that book of life that we talked about, that Lamb's book of life. So what you have there in verse, whatever that was, Verse 45, you have the abomination of desolation there spoken of, though he doesn't use that term. He shall plant the tabernacles of his palace between the seas in the glorious holy mountain. That's him setting himself up to be God. And then boom, you have Michael the great prince is going to stand up. There will be a time of trouble like has never happened since the beginning of the world. This is that three and a half year mark where, the, where it, everything just breaks loose. And then look in chapter 12, verse 11. It says, And from that time, the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, and there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. So, Israel flees to Petra for three and a half years after the abomination of desolation. Jesus talks about the exact same thing in Matthew 24, uh, 15 to 22, that reference is there. And then what we have, go ahead and turn back to... Revelation 12, look at verses 7 through 13. Revelation 12, 7 through 13. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. "...neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, "...now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night." And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, that ye dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea! For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child, which is the nation of Israel." That's who he's, he's after again. You know, this is one of those things. I've studied the rapture out, studied the rapture. Is it pre-trib? Is it post-trib? Is it mid-trib? This is another one of those things that I've never noticed before. But do you notice, we, we looked at it in the first two verses, we know that this is the nation of Israel that brought forth the Christ. Well, it says here in verse 13 that at this point, this three and a half year point, and he's cast out. And he knows he has a short time that he's going to persecute the woman which brought forth the man-child. Is that the church? No. The church is not here. He's not persecuting the church. He's persecuting Israel. Because this is all about Israel. So this is another one of those verses that you know, you're studying out the rapture. Is it pre-trib? It's one of those ones. You don't see it until you finally see it. But he's not persecuting the church. He's persecuting the woman that brought forth the man-child, the nation, Israel, that brought forth Jesus Christ. So again, we will not be here. We will not be here for this. So, what we have that we see here, Michael, and in parentheses, Israel's prince, as we saw back in the book of Daniel. Israel's prince and his angels fight the devil and his angels as literal hell breaks loose on the earth because now... He's not allowed to go before God anymore. At this point, he can. It says he's the accuser of our brethren. That he accuses us before God day and night. Day and night. He's accusing the brethren before God. I can only imagine the things that he said about me in my folly as a believer, as a follower of Christ. How about you? What are the things that he's been able to accuse you of before the Father that he's seen that He knows that we do the things that we let in. We ought to be careful knowing that this is going on. He's the accuser of the brethren. But at this point, when Michael, the prince of Israel, when he goes in and he starts fighting, he casts the devil out. The devil is no longer allowed in that heavenly place. And that's when literal hell is going to break loose here on planet earth. Like it's never seen before. I mean, you think about how, how troublous and chaotic our times are right now. This is nothing this is nothing. If we think back to how chaotic it must have been during our world wars, through any of the wars that we've been through, it's nothing. There's nothing compared to what's going to be going on when, at that three and a half year point when Satan's gloves are finally off. We're seeing them slowly come off right now, aren't we? I mean, come on, you, guys, you guys have to be following some news enough to know that, that we're now moving past late term abortions, Right? And we're moving in to keep the baby alive so doctor and mom can have a discussion to determine whether or not they want the baby to live after it's been born even if it takes resuscitating it so they can have that conversation and then if they decide to abort the baby they will do it after it's born oh the gloves are already coming off this is beyond depraved beyond depraved and it's still nothing compared to what's coming we need to be thinking about these things When we're scared to talk to lost people. When we're scared to share the gospel with people. Because what we see now is nothing. This is Disneyland compared to what's coming. So Michael will stand up and he'll fight. Go ahead and turn back to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel 10 verse 21. Again, just to show you that this is Michael. He is that prince, that guardian of the nation of Israel. Daniel 10.21, he says, But I will show thee that which is noted in the Scriptures of truth, that there is none that withholdeth with me in these things, but Michael your prince. Your prince. Michael is the prince of the nation of Israel, that guardian angel. And again, Daniel 12.1, it says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. That's Michael, the angel that fights for the nation of Israel. So he's going to be fighting him and his angels fighting the devil and his angels and they will be cast out and down here on the earth. Back to Revelation chapter 12. Verse 14 Revelation 12:14 and to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. Again, this is three and a half years. You have a time. That would be a year. And again, we, just, we prove this by, by going through the Bible. There's times where it says 40 and two months will be the persecution. Well, we know that's three and a half years. We have 1,203 score days. Again, that's three and a half years. So here, and it also shows up in the book of Daniel, time is a year, times, that's plural, so that's two more years, and then half a time. Three and a half years. Again, this great tribulation is three and a half years long. But I want you to see that God nourishes Israel in the wilderness go ahead and turn back to deuteronomy chapter 19 deuteronomy exodus where am i at exodus 19 let me come up with a better system exodus 19 so did you notice back in revelation that it says that god will give them the wings of an eagle to fly them in to this place where god will nourish them did you see that The wings of an eagle? Okay. Exodus 19 verses 1 through 4. It says, "...in the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai." The wilderness. Interesting. Interesting. For they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did to the, unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto Myself." Again, this is that picture, taking the Jews, taking Israel. Imagine that you're Jewish, and you're living through the tribulation, and this time is for you, right? And we know through Romans chapter 11 that there's a temporary blindness, a partial blindness on the hearts and the eyes of the nation of Israel that they can't see right now. They can't see what they've done. They can't see the Messiah But it says, until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in, then that blindness will be lifted. So now, imagine that you are a Jew living in this tribulation time and you come across this book and you realize, I am living this. You're going to hear that and you're going to go back to the book of Exodus and you're going to realize, we need to head to the desert. We need to head to the wilderness. We need to head actually over to Edom where that stronghold of Petra is. Eagle's wings. God puts these little things in the Bible to show us, to point us back. And definitely, to a Jew that would know his Old Testament, he would see that and think, that's what God did for our people when He pulled them out of captivity and bondage. The same thing that they're going to be going through when the Antichrist is on the planet. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. He bears them on eagles' wings, carries them into the wilderness to take care of them, to nourish them, which is what we'll see here in Psalm 91, verses 1 through 11. Notice also this is a prayer. Nope, this is not a prayer of Moses. That's chapter 90. Okay, Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That's exactly where God is taking them, to a secret place of God, where they will abide under His shadow in His protection. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come, up, uh, come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Man, this is prophetic about those end times. And especially when we see at the end of this chapter where there will be a flood cast out, but the earth will open up her mouth and swallow the flood. That's exactly what he's talking about. He said that a thousand shall fall, ten thousand shall fall, they're not going to actually get there to be able to destroy Israel when they're in that hiding place. This is a prophetic psalm of what Israel is going to experience in the last days during the tribulation time when God will be protecting them. Turn to Hosea chapter 2. Hosea 2. in verse 14 he says therefore behold i will allure her speaking of israel and bring her into the wilderness again during this tribulation context and speak comfortably unto her and i will give her her vineyards from thence and the valley of Acor for a door of hope and she shall sing there as in the days of her youth and as in the day when she came up out of the land of Egypt. See, all these things are pointing to the same thing. And it shall be at that day, saith the Lord, thou shalt call me Ishai, which means husband. Ishai, it means husband. He's saying Israel will call me husband and shalt call me no more Bali. For I will take away from the names of Balaam out of her mouth, and they shall no more be remembered by their name. And in that day, Day. Remember we talked about this last time. That day always has a context that points to the tribulation. Always. The tribulation and the day of the Lord. In that day will I make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field and with the fowls of heaven and with the creeping things of the ground. And I will break the bow and the sword and the battle out of the earth and will make them to lie down safely. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yea, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness and in judgment and in loving kindness and in mercies. I will even betroth thee unto me in faithfulness and thou shalt know the Lord. And it shall come to pass in that day, I will hear, saith the Lord. I will hear the heavens and they shall hear the earth. And the earth shall hear the corn and the wine and the oil and they shall hear Jezreel, which is that valley of Jezreel. We don't have time. And I will sow her unto me in the earth, and I will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy. And I will say to them, which are not my people, thou art my people, and they shall say, thou art my God. God's protection. God's been talking about this for a long time. The theme of every prophet book in the Bible is the day of the Lord. It's that day. I just picked out a few. You could go through... The, the prophet books and find a ton of these, of how God will supernaturally protect His people in the last days. Another one that we're not even going to turn to there, Isaiah 35, um, and again Daniel 11, which we did look at. Let's go ahead and turn back to Revelation chapter 12. But we see God's nourishment, God's protection again as we read it here. We know it's for the woman that brought forth the man-child. We go back to the Old Testament prophecies of what God was going to do. It's all about Israel. It's all about Israel. Because they've turned their back on God and He said, No, the day is coming. I'm going to take you. All hell is going to break loose on earth. But I'm going to take you. And I'm going to protect you. And I'm going to nurture you. And I'm going to speak comfortably to you and you're going to call me your husband you're going to remember who i am when i take care of you when your whole world is falling apart and it will be supernatural they will know it is god that's taking care of them verses 15 through 17 in revelation 12 and the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman, and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So what we have here at this, at this time is Satan sends a flood of an army. Army is your blank. He sends a flood of an army to wipe out the remnant of Israel, but the earth swallows it up. Remember we looked at that back in Psalm 91, that that flood, that that the thousand will fall by the side and the 10,000 by his right hand. This is what he's talking about. This flood, this army that the Antichrist is going to send to try and overtake them in Petra. It says the earth is going to open up her mouth and swallow them whole. Does that remind you of anything? Korah, exactly. Again, taking Israel, reading this book, pointing them back to the things that happened in the Old Testament. Right in, in Romans, Paul talks about how these things that were written aforetime, written for our learning, that we through patience of the scriptures might, uh, in com- or patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. He also says that these things that were written are an ensample or an example unto us that we can learn. And again, they're going to be pointing Israel back again because God has already done this before. It will be no strange thing to the nation of Israel to see the earth open up her mouth and swallow people whole that are coming against God's people. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 18, verse 4. Psalm 18, 4. Just to show that this flood is not a literal flood of water, but that God uses the term flood to mean armies. Psalm 18, verse 4. says, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. Again, floods of ungodly men. Go ahead and turn to Isaiah 59. A lot of flipping tonight. Isaiah 59, verse 19. It says, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood. The Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against Him. Again, this is end time's context end times prophecy that when they come this flood it'll be the enemy and god's going to lift up a standard against them and we know by looking in revelation that the earth is actually going to open her mouth and swallow these people up whole and it will be the doing of god almighty that protects his people so satan sends the flood of an army to wipe out the remnant of israel but the earth swallows it up so back to revelation chapter 12 so kind of a last point here in Revelation 12, when it says, "The dragon was wroth, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keepeth the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Just know, today he is making war with us for the exact same reasons, for keeping the commandments of God and having the testimony of Jesus Christ. He's a little bit more concealed now than he will be then, but he's doing the same thing to us today. We've got to be careful not to let things slip. Said it's man, I feel like these past few weeks have been brutal in our home, in life. And I know it's spiritual. I know it's not coincidental. Knowing what I was going to be teaching on, I know it's not a coincidence. And that's when you dig in and you say, Lord, you know what? I know what's happening. He doesn't get to win. You do. You've already overcome this and you've already won. Please take my eyes off of these circumstances and put them on you. Because I know his game and I know what he's doing. And he's not going to get us. We have to take that focus and put it on him because he's still making war when we're keeping the commandments and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Chapter 13, verse 1. So that was the red dragon. Now we're going to get into the beast or the Antichrist. He says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea having seven heads and ten horns and upon his, ten, uh, and upon his horns ten crowns and upon his heads the name of the blasphemy so the beast rises from the sea having seven heads and ten horns the sea go ahead and turn back to daniel chapter 7 you can see daniel 7 the sea is people's multitudes nations and tongues daniel 7 and be ready to go right back to revelation daniel 7 1 through 3 just so you can see this beast and we're going to see how it correlates and it ties to these beasts in daniel it says, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. Now go ahead, keep your place here, but go back to Revelation 17. So you can see these beasts coming out of the sea. Daniel saw this same thing. He saw this same thing. Now Daniel saw a little more than what John saw. And we're going to get to that. But Revelation 17. So you can see that Daniel also saw this beast rising out of the sea. Revelation 17, look in verse 1. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many what? Waters. waters. Look at verse 15. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the horse sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So that's what the sea is. It's people. He's rising up from the people. Because he's a person. And he's going to rise to the top. And then notice, there are seven heads, ten horns, and how many crowns this time? Ten Ten crowns. Back to Daniel. Daniel. Go we'll and turn to chapter 2, Daniel 2. <clears throat> seven heads, ten horns, and ten crowns, and the dragon had seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns. I didn't understand all these kingdoms. What is all this kingdom stuff going on? Daniel 2, verses 41 to 43. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron. Again, this is the fourth kingdom. We don't have time to work through it all, but this is the fourth and final kingdom that would come that Daniel was prophesying about. So he says, "...thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron. The kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it the strength of iron. For as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay, and as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken." And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Look in Daniel 7. So you see that there were ten toes, right? There's ten toes on the feet, and he's talking about this final kingdom that would come. And now we're seeing these ten horns in the book of Revelation. And these ten horns that have ten crowns. He's talking about a kingdom that has these ten toes, these ten divisions to it. Daniel 7 verse 24. It says, And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them, and he shall be, be diverse from the first, and he shall, shall subdue three kings. And then go ahead and turn back to Revelation 17. Revelation 17, verse 12. Again, you're seeing these 10 horns, you have the 10 toes, you have the 10 horns, it's 10 kings. And then Revelation 17, verse 12, it says, "...and the 10 horns which thou sawest are 10 kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast." So what we have in this time when we're looking at the beast, when we're looking at the Antichrist, his kingdom, his worldwide dominion and domain will have ten divisions to it. And there will be ten kingdoms, as it were, that he oversees. And those ten kingdoms, we believe, would be found, we're not going to turn there, we looked at it last time, are in Psalm 83. We believe it's those because they all surround Israel and they are all enemies of Israel. And those are all nations that still exist today so these 10 crowns are the 10 divisions of the antichrist's kingdom next the great red dragon with seven heads 10 horns and seven crowns we don't need to uh, to look at these again we've looked at twelve three, and then in uh, 17 3 in revelation it talks about the same thing how this beast carried the woman away full of uh, names of blasphemy having seven heads and 10 horns the great red dragon has these things as well However, the seven heads are seven mountains and seven kings that we find in Revelation 17, 9-11. says, And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth, and there are seven kings. Now listen carefully. Five are fallen, and one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. Now I know this gets like... Now hold on. What? He is or he's not? Or he was and he will be? I know it can get confusing. But how this works out, these seven crowns, these seven heads, are the seven or eight, as he mentioned... Because he was, but he's not, but then he is. So he says that he's the eighth, but he's of the seven, and we'll work through that here in a minute. These are the seven or eight kingdoms that have oppressed and will oppress Israel. There's there's been. It says that there have been five, right? Five are fallen, is what it said here in Revelation 17, right? We tracking? Five have fallen. What are the five that fell? They're on your paper. The five that fell that controlled Israel were Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, and Greece. And then that sixth one was Rome, right? And then Rome, Rome kind of died off as it were, but it really didn't lose its control in the world, did it? Rome still has a lot of control today. So Rome kind of went dormant. It's the sixth kingdom. But then that seventh kingdom of the Antichrist is going to come, that's a revived Rome. That's when Rome comes back onto the scene where the gloves start coming off again. And we'll see in the next point, or a couple points down, the Antichrist is going to die at the midpoint of the tribulation. He will be resurrected. So that eighth kingdom, that, that kingdom that was, but is not, but will be, that he's of the seven, but he's the eighth, That's revived Rome, but it's a resurrected Antichrist. That's where everything changes. So these seven heads are ten kingdoms that have oppressed and persecuted Israel throughout their history, while we have the ten kingdoms, that that is how it breaks down during the time of the tribulation. That's why we see these seven crowns over here on the dragon, because the devil himself was behind all of these oppressions. And then you have the Antichrist, empowered by the devil, they will have his ten kingdoms and his ten kings set up. What Re- we read in Revelation is that they didn't have, they have a kingdom yet, but they will, and they will, they will be kings, as it were, for an hour with the beast. So they're coming. So that was my big, mind-blowing revelation this past week. Amen. I hope it blew your mind. And if not, that's okay. You can chew on it. Back to Revelation chapter 13. verse 2 and the beast which i saw was like unto again remember these like unto a leopard and his feet were as the feet of a bear and his mouth as the mouth of a lion and the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority turn back to daniel chapter 7 daniel chapter 7 which we started into so we had what were the three animals Yes, thank you. A leopard, a bear, and a lion. Daniel 7, verses 4 through 7. So he talks about these beasts, these great beasts that he saw rising up out of the sea. Verse 4, The first beast was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand upon his feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear. And it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of, uh, the mouth of it, <clears throat> between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, oh, what's that word again? Devour. Devour much flesh. I feel like it's pointing us back to Revelation. Verse 6, And after this I beheld, and lo, another, like a leopard." which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions and behold a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth and it devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had what? Ten horns. So what we see, John, what John is seeing in Revelation, is what Daniel saw back here in Daniel's prophecy. This fourth beast is who John's describing now. And you notice he said it was diverse from all the other ones. He, he almost couldn't even describe it. But John does. And did you notice what he did? It's on your sheet. The, the beast... This Antichrist is a composite of the worst attributes from Daniel's prophecy, and he receives his power from the devil. This is that Antichrist. This is that fourth beast. Which was, because that's when Rome had control of Israel once. And it's when they will revive and have control again. And when the Antichrist is resurrected again. It's this fourth beast beast that's terrible but it has ten horns tying us right back to the book of Revelation because he's the one in control of those ten kingdoms on planet earth at that time back to Revelation chapter 13 verse 3 and 12 Revelation 13 3 and 12 he says and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death And his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Jump over to verse 12. This is speaking of the false prophet, but I want you to see the end of the verse. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the, the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. Go to Revelation 17, verse 8. Again, these things are all where a lot of Daniel, Revelation 13, 17, because you have the beast, you have Daniel's prophecy of it, you have it explained in Revelation, and then at the second half of chapter 13 is that false prophet. Well, what we have here is the false religion in chapter 17, the false religion of that day. So all these things, they're just tied so closely together because it's how the devil is working through his satanic trinity. As you have the great red dragon, the fake God the Father. When you have the beast, the Antichrist, his seed or his son, which is the fake Christ, and then you have this false prophet, which is the fake Holy Spirit, causing the world to worship this beast. That's why these things are so closely tied together. Chapter 17, verse 8, so on the point of his deadly wound being healed. It says, The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition, and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not yet is. Again, he will die. He will perform a false miracle, as it were. He'll resurrect from the dead and the world will worship him. I got to imagine to appeal to the the people that claimed Christianity, he will claim to be Jesus. I think I talked to you guys about this, that even the Muslims believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. They believe that Jesus is a prophet that will come back to earth again. Muslims believe this. Oh, somebody's coming back and he's going to claim to be Jesus, but he's not going to be the guy and he's going to even try and prove it by being dead and coming back from the dead. So the beast will receive a deadly wound and be healed. Just a note, I thought about it. I'm like, man, I would love to just give you guys the notes on it, but we don't have time for it. Just a note. Some believe that this will be a resurrected Judas Iscariot. That at this resurrection, that Judas will come and indwell the Antichrist. There's a pretty good case made for it. Study it out for yourself. It's pretty interesting. Next, back to Revelation 13. Revelation 13, verses 4 and 8. And they worship the dragon. Remember, that's who? Who? The devil. the devil, thank you. That is the devil, the dragon. That's the devil. And they worship the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Verse 8. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of, the, of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. They're going to be worshiping and wondering after this beast. So the world, bound in deception and lies, will worship the devil and Antichrist as they counterfeit the resurrection of Jesus. That's what they're going to be doing. That's why it says, well, you know what, we're going to get there. It's at the very end of your study sheet. But this is going to be incredibly deceptive. We're not going to go through the false prophet tonight. When we we get there, we'll go through it. But he will be able to perform all kinds of signs and lying wonders and deceive people. Deceive people into believing whatever he wants them to believe, combined with the fact that God has sent them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. That's what's going to be going on to the point where they are going to have a counterfeit resurrection. It's pretty incredible. I mean, we kind of just, I think, I feel like we take it for granted because we're like, well, we're not going to see that in our lifetime. Can you imagine? Can you imagine our president or somebody that is worldwide known, worldwide famous, a leader that we find out dies? They're showing him in a casket at at a funeral. Because the whole world wants to see this and then he gets up that's what the world is going to see the world is going to see this the way we're connected with internet with media with social media the whole world will see this that's what it says the world the whole earth will wonder at the beast and they will worship him what would it take to get worship how about raising from the dead it worked for Jesus right What is he? He's a counterfeit Christ. He's an anti-Christ. Remember, we looked last time that he comes in on a white horse. Only one other person comes in on a white horse. It's Jesus. Only one other person did God himself raise from the dead to become a king. He's going to counterfeit it. He's going to counterfeit it. Next, verses 5 through 7. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him uh, over all kindreds and tongues and nations. Go ahead and turn to Second Thessalonians 3. Because the beast at this point now, after he's died and resurrected, after he's he's made his peace treaty, right? With the nation of Israel. We're going to bring peace. He's made his peace treaty. Now he's going to break it at this point. Now he's emboldened. Emboldened to speak blasphemy against God and claim to be God as he makes war with the saints. 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 3 and 4. This is why Paul says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God Sitteth in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. What would it take to get people to believe that he is God? Raising from the dead. Raising from the dead. Because dead men don't get back up. And this right here, again, is that abomination of desolation. He will go into the temple of God claiming to be God. What we just read in Revelation, how he will speak blasphemies against God and everything in heaven. Because he will claim to be God. That's the Antichrist. And go ahead and turn back to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7, verses 19 through 25. He says, Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, and his nails of brass, which devoured and break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet, and of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes, and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows, I beheld in the same horn made war with the saints, and prevailed against them. It's exactly what it said in the book of Revelation. That he was given power on him to make war and to overcome them is what it says in Revelation. Here it says to make war with the saints and he prevailed against them, but not forever. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom And uh, thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings, and he shall speak great words against the Most High." and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until, here it is again, a time, one year, and times, two more years, and the dividing of time. Three and a half years. The Antichrist will be just devastating. Israel and the world. So this is the time of the abomination of desolation. You can go through and check out all these verses it's talked about quite a bit back to revelation verse I'm sorry chapter 13 Revelation 13 verse 9 <clears throat> and 10 If any man have an ear let him hear He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity and he that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword Here is the patience and faith of the saints. So do you have an ear? Tonight. Do you have an ear? He says, if any man have a hear, have an ear, let him hear. If you have an ear, then listen up. One of the sweeping claims of what we see here in verse 10, God kind of nips this in the bud. People will say that, you know, our Bible is is bloody, it's terrible, it promotes violence. And God nips this in the bud right here. That's exactly what he's saying. One sweeping claim of atheists is your blank one sweeping claim of atheists is that the bible promotes violence and war that our god is a bloody god christ promotes no such dogma because that's what he says right here if you're leading people into captivity you're going into captivity if you're killing with the sword you're dying by the sword and then he says Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. True saints are patient and faithful as they wait for their redemption and their revenger to come. They do not take vengeance, they do not promote violence, and they do not promote war. This is not our God, this is not our Christ. He's saying this in light of everything that's going on. He's saying, Here's what's coming, but here's the patience and the faith of the saints. You do not join in that. You wait for me to come back. You wait for me to revenge this disobedience. Not you. That's what he's saying as he's bringing forth this antichrist. That's not your job, believer. Your job is to trust him and to patiently wait on him because he is the redemption. He is the revenger. So to close this up, while the Antichrist comes in peacefully, he will quickly change his facade. This man will seem to bring order and peace to the world, and the world will crown him. If you remember last time when we looked in Revelation 6, it says that a crown was given unto him. The world wants him. And after he's, he has gained their adoration and love, he will demand their worship. He comes in peacefully. People want him. Oh, but when everything changes, He will demand worship at the cost of your very life if you will not worship Him. He will encompass all nations and religions on His quest for world domination. It is now now, our time in church history to warn the world before it's too late. We must not let the lost march into this deception without pleading with them to consider their eternity. Now's the time we have left. And it is short. We spent four weeks going over signs of the times. If there is any doubt in your mind, just look at the news and look at your Bible. Time is short. It is short. Don't let them go unprayed for. Don't let them go without begging them to consider their eternity. And this is the verse we closed with last week and I just felt it was fitting again this week. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and shall show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. The very Israel whose blinders are lifted, who are reading this Bible, that are living it, that know exactly what's going on. It's going to be so deceptive that people that have accepted Christ and have the Bible in front of them as it's literally unfolding in front of them, If it were possible, even they could be deceived. Those that don't know the Bible, those that don't know Christ, have no chance. None. So it's our job to let them know now, before they have no chance. As God put it in Isaiah, He said, Come to the light while the light is with you. Come to the light while you have the light. Right now, we're the light. And we're still here. And that means God's not done. So we need to do our job. We need to glorify Him by winning souls to Christ. Not dragging them. Not insulting them. Winning them by our life. By our example. And by our love that we have toward them. Not a, not a foo-foo, I accept everything about you. You're not, no, sin is totally fine. Not that kind of love. A real love. A real love that doesn't want to argue about it, but that wants to stand up for what it believes and say the hard things in love. That says the truth. That doesn't excuse sin. People want to talk about this. Jesus never did that. Jesus always did that. He was the most loving person that has ever walked planet earth. And he never just excused sin. Ever. The woman caught in adultery. Right? They all want to kill her in front of Jesus. He who's without sin cast the first stone. They all leave. Was that it? Did he say, all right, you're good, go ahead? No. He said, go thy way and sin no more. That's real love. That's real love. It points it out. It tries to point someone in the right direction. In real love. Because this is the time that's coming. The greatest deception the world's ever seen. Let's not let them go there. Everything in our power. We pray with me. Father, again, thank You. Thank You for Your book. Thank You for showing us all of these things and the way that when we compare Scripture with Scripture, You have been working this for thousands of years. You've had it all written down. And how Your Word just complements itself. When we look at all these things, the psalms, the very songs that Israel sang, speak of these days. Speak of your protection that will come. There is no God like our God. There is none that calls the end from the beginning. None but you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for giving us this book. Lord, don't let it sit on a shelf this week. Don't let it gather dust. Let it change our lives. Put it in our hearts to get in every day early, seeking You early and first, that You can have Your way with us. Father, we want to please You. We want to glorify You. We want to do everything we can. I don't want to show up in heaven full of energy and excitement of, right, well, I saved all my energy now that I'm here. No, I want to be worn out. I want there to be holes in the jeans. I want to be beat up and exhausted. Because I gave everything I could for You. Forgive me when I don't live that way. Forgive me for the times I let the world get in the way. When I let the sins in that stop me from living like that. Correct me often and quickly, Lord. I pray that for all of us in this room tonight and all that will hear this message. We love You. We love You with all that we have. And thank You for Your Son, Christ, and His sacrifice. And it's in Jesus' name that we do pray these things. Amen.